Today on Season 3, Episode 88 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce gets called away, leaving Ken and I to take the reins. It's off-season business as usual as we chat about the most recent Packers news. We take a deep dive into the offensive line depth for 2021, address some listener questions, and pop in a fill-in-the-blank question. What is the O-line going to look like next year? Who steps up and earns a starting role? Who is the line going to be protecting beyond 2021? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Off-Season in the Trenches on tap. so much for following the unknown packers podcast touchdown dagger al harris 56 yards to a game winning touchdown green bay packers winning isn't everything but it's the only thing Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. Welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for off-season in the trenches on tap. We're doing things a little bit differently today. Our fearless leader, Bryce, is tending to some personal matters, so it is going to be myself and Ken Ingalls flying on this episode. Just a couple of dudes talking some football. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing well, Nebels. Doing well. Like it's, you know, like you mentioned, Bryce has uh, the night off tonight, tending some family things. Uh, so things are going. You know, hopefully things are going good on that end. But yeah, for sure. You know, I'm excited to talk some Packers, talk some football, talk some you know latest and greatest in, in the world of, uh, of of the pack. Let's go. Oh yeah, I got to hold down the fort here. All right, kicking it off with some Packers news. Of course, hottest storyline of the day. Any guesses? Hmm. Uh, JJ Watt. I have a. You know, I, I heard. I, I heard he bought a Peloton. Right? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I heard that. That is correct. JJ Watt buying the Peloton. No, but yeah. So just get it out there, get it over with, so we can finally put it to bed. JJ Watt has signed a reported two-year, thirty-one million dollar deal with twenty-three million guaranteed with the Arizona Cardinals. Now. You know, that's a whole lot of money, but I am a big proponent of you got to look out for number one. Oh, yeah. Your career could be over tomorrow. Make that money while you can. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he was, you know, he, he said that the what was important was getting a championship and it wasn't about the money. And then he signed for this big deal. So, so people are kind of ticked, but I don't blame them. You know, Arizona's warm. <laughs> they got an up and coming quarterback there. Some nice offensive pieces. And they have the cap room that the, the Packers don't have. So why not? Right, right. And, you know, one thing, too, with that, with his, you know, quote unquote, his priorities of where he was going to go, like needing a quarterback, um, having other stars or, you know, playmakers available and then money. Well, that doesn't mean, A, that money is completely a non-factor. And B, I didn't hear J.J. Watt say that. I heard a lot of other people talking for J.J. Watt or, you know, with these reports. And some of those same people are the ones that had half a dozen other teams listed as being leaders in the clubhouse on here. And at no point in time did we ever hear the Arizona Cardinals name mentioned. But, you know, for me, looking at the deal, $23 million guaranteed for a guy who's turning, what, 32, 32 this month yeah. and has been on injured reserve three or four times in the past five years. This is risky. Um, it's typically a move that the Packers avoid. I know a lot of fans like you know, or, or, or wish that the Packers would make more of those kind of boom or bust type of signings where if the, it, you know, it's definitely a gamble, but if they pay off, they could pay off big. But 
man, that's a lot of money for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 with you know some recent injury issues. But for sure. And beyond that, you know, I guess the biggest thing is I'm just glad I don't have to see JJ Watt's not name like <laughs> 10,000 times a day going through the Twitter feed. Oh, I actually, I ended up today, um, I, I added uh, JJ, KJ, Peloton, Bike, <laughs> Watt, all to my mute list on Twitter. So it was it was silence after after yeah. that announcement. Yeah, you so must have had a void crazy. of no updates for a good you know hour and a half. Oh, it was, it was glorious. Now, the one thing that uh, about him is, you know, obviously we said he's on the wrong side of 30, going to be 32. And you know, a lot of people keep, or a lot of things, one thing I keep hearing is, well, the Packers signed Reggie White when he was 32. I think the big difference between his uh, between Watt's situation and White's situation is, like you mentioned, J.J. Watt has been on, you know, on, on the wrong side of, uh, he's, he's got a bad injury history. One thing I don't think people really realize is Reggie White missed five games outside of his rookie season. He missed five games over 14 years. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. That's a stat, So. Man. Exactly. So, I mean, I like J.J. Watt. I think if if our salary cap was in a different situation, if our roster was in a different situation, if it was a different year, I would love to have him on the team. You know, have a have a guy finish off his career. You know, for in his hometown for the team that he rooted for growing up. But I don't think he's the missing piece that's going to put us over the top. And as you know, I think giving him any sort of big deal would have giving us further cap headaches. Right. It would have been really tough to try and fit that in. And, you know, we'll see what the structure comes out to, you know, how many games the Cardinals had to play with their cap to try and, you know, structure this in a way and, you know, with voidable gimmicks and things like that. But those are typically things the Packers don't do. They try and play it more or less pretty straight with their cap. So it definitely would have been a challenge, especially with that type of contract. But it's on to the next, you know, it's just cross them off the list and, you know, on to the, on to the next way we can try and uh, improve this team. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on. You know, put that story to bed. I've, I've heard about it enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm over you. it quite frankly. Uh, just to kind of to circle back on a couple of things we talked about last week, coaches, Jerry Gray and Adam Senovich both received promotions today. Gray went from just a DB's coach to DB's coach slash passing game coordinator and Senovich went from offensive line coach to offensive line slash run game coordinator. So they can officially add that coordinator title to their resume. Now, one one question I don't remember who would post it initially is, do you think there was a threat of one or two of them or both of them being poached onto another coaching staff? Do you think that's why they, they promoted them or you think they were just that deserving? Um, It's probably a little column A and a little bit of column B. I know Senovich sure. is like one of those guys who has been making a name for himself. And so and I, it, I think back to like how McCarthy used to do things too, where, you know, it, it sounded like towards the end of, of his era, you know, he would actually was getting kind of upset that some of his coaches weren't getting calls, right? And so then he would, the, I, th- I swear I heard them say that in a press conference or two. And so, sure, yeah, you know, he was that. doing a lot of these internal type of promotions to kind of bump people up, give more responsibility and again, have those those titles that you can you know slap on a resume absolutely uh, don't hurt. Uh, I don't know, you know, Jerry Gray. I, what he was in the running for uh, the Packers defensive coordinator job for sure. sure yeah. I don't know if he was going anywhere else. If he was, it nothing that I um, specifically saw. But I know Jerry Gray. You know, he definitely made an impact to this team last year. I think we saw it with Jair and with what our safeties are able to do. Um, as a defensive back kind of overall coach and having him being in charge of the passing game coordinator, I think is 
is the logical next step and progression for him here. I know he's not one that, you know, needs that extra oomph to his sure. resume. He's kind of proven that in the past, but it's still a deserving promotion. I'm sure it comes with a few extra dollars in the pocket as well. Definitely. And I heard some rumblings that, that Gray was possibly going to leave after being passed over for the, the you know, the defensive coordinator position, which I could see. Oh, yeah. I just didn't know if, if this kind of, I don't know how, is this a sizable promotion that, if he wanted, if someone else wanted to hire him as the DBs, you know, as the the DBs coach, if the Packers could block it because they gave him a promotion, that's kind of what I was I was wondering. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know if these passing game coordinators or you know run game coordinators, if those count to the level of blocking. Because I know there's those sure. rules for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, you know, doing lateral move type things. I don't know if 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 those um, are in that same vein. I'll have to do a little bit of uh, digging on that. But coaches' salaries are weird, right? It's like with all these players' yeah. salaries, you can find information on all their contracts, exactly what they're making and when. But with coaches, it's really different from team to team. And a lot, oh, a, a lot of those details are held really close to the vest. So who really knows kind of the inner workings here of exactly what it takes to you know, maybe keep some guys around who are unhappy or threatening to leave, what type of uh, bump they might be getting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad to have them both back in a, in a mm-hmm. higher position for next season. I, you know, like I said, they're both great coaches and have done wonders for the team. So it's, it's pretty exciting to know that, you know, they're, they're sticking around for at least another season. And then finally wrap up the Packers news. Again, we talked about uh, last week, uh, the hiring of Ryan Mahaffey, and we were only speculating where he was in a coach. Today, we found out that he was named the Offensive Quality Control Coach. Now, for those of you like me who have no idea what the position entails, I guess the Offensive Quality Control Coach will chart the upcoming team's defense for various down and distance situations, field positions, and how many times they use particular personnel groupings. So they kind of do the recon work on the opposing team's defense. Hmm, Interesting. I didn't know exactly what Offensive Quality Control meant either, so... Right. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like, well, that just sounds like a baloney position for, uh, you know, someone that was a previous intern or something. But I guess uh, it's 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 pretty legit. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a bad place to start either. Oh, on, no, uh, not on, at all. Coaching staff. So definitely. All right. Well, you have any other news that you want to share? I think I not, that's all I, I guess the today. only other news I have is no news on, nice. on on the salary cap front. Not to get too bogged down on that, but there's been about 10 days since they made some moves and they're still sitting at about 12 and a half million over the cap as I have it calculated, assuming the bare minimum 180 um, salary cap estimate. I know some other people have that maybe a little bit higher, but yeah, I've got about 12 and a half and that hasn't really moved. And, you know, we're now into March and the 17th is the deadline. So these uh, next two weeks plus are gonna be wild and so buckle up for some crazy activity over here the next two weeks as we see exactly what levers the Packers pull to try and uh, squeeze under there. Now just out of curiosity what happens if they don't get under the the cap by the 17th? Well no team has never been over the cap so like it just never happened and I don't think any GM wants to be the first. <laughs> okay. So th- that would be just a, a big boo-boo. But I know it would come with fines. It would probably come with um, draft pick forfeiture, which no one wants to see. And then rumor has it, what happens is the league then starts auto-voiding contracts until you are under the cap. <laughs> oh, for real? Right. So 
yeah, it's it's not one of those things where you, know, you, you can't just be like, oops, sorry, um, sure. didn't get around to it. Like, I'll turn in my homework on Monday. Is that okay? Uh, no, it's not. And it, it's going to be with heavy fines. And then you're going to be putting yourself in a real bad situation. Now, I, you know, we still don't know what the salary cap is going to be. We still don't know what the comp picks are. We still have n- not a lot of information out there. And so I've always kind of tossed in the back of my mind, I, if we get down to the wire here, I wonder if the league's going to be like, okay, I know we didn't give you a lot of time to work with this. Maybe they'll give them like a one-week amnesty or I would think you'd have to. something just to allow them to maybe even be able to pull some like post-June work, post-June cuts, which you can't do until the start of the new league year and whatever. And there can potentially be some different cap-saving opportunities to do those type of moves versus just straight cuts now. I'm not saying I haven't heard that. It's just kind of been sure. floating around in the back of my mind. The closer and closer we get to the start of the league year and not really knowing where things are going to be, like you almost have to once you get past this point of no return of having teams have a little bit more flexibility. Uh, yeah, it's go time. Going to be really interesting. Going to be real interesting. All right. Now, well, this episode is called Off Season in the Trenches. So what we're going to be talking about is the offensive line. Obviously, there are going to be some decisions to be made. We have a lot of, a lot of, uh, we have a big puzzle, if you will, to put together for this offensive line for 2021. I want to kind of take a look at our offensive line, but I don't want to take a look at the the five starters right off the bat. I kind of want to talk about some of those other guys first that you know that that have been around with the team uh, for the last couple of years. You know, drafted last season. Just kind of talk about them a little bit, kind of refresh our listeners on. Some, I guess, potential fill-ins, and you know, and go from there. First off, as you know, our our line for last year was very good. They were they had the number one win rate in the NFL for both passing and run blocking, which is which is insane. I don't think we've had an offensive line that good in in a long time. In addition to that, all five of the starters. Now, this is including Bakhtiari, it's not including Wagner, but all five starters were in the top ten at win rates in their respective position. Funny enough, the worst out of the bunch was was Jenkins, and he was ninth. He was rated ninth amongst guards. And Turner surprisingly topped that list at third amongst tackles. He actually beat out Bakhtiari, who was who was uh, ranked sixth. Um, Lucas Patrick was sixth amongst guards, and Lindsay was Lindsley was fifth amongst centers. So to lose any of those guys is just it, it's it's nerve wracking, especially when we don't really have that that depth as of right now to fill in. I mean, I think losing Lindsley as it's as expected to happen, I think that is going to be a a big blow to the line. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it later who we think is going to fill in. But I mean, what, what can you say about Lindsley? I mean, it's a tough loss. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. Um, first team all pro number one rated uh, center, I think by PFF, it was just, he, he played, he played a really good year in the last year of his deal, but the Packers are really good at replacing their guys maybe a year or two in advance. You know, you have an Elton Jenkins on the team. You extended Lucas Patrick last year. Uh, you drafted a true center in Jake Hansen, who's kind of a project, but he sure. he's got that pedigree at that at that position. So you have potentially three guys without even, you know, talking about maybe converting someone. To, to that position already on the line. And it's it's going to be not an easy job to replace him. You know, you think you talk about the stats, right? Number one in both passing and, and run run win rate. That's a mouthful. Yeah, right. But you look at what the Packers, you know, are allowing. Like, they let Bulaga walk. 
You know, it looks like they're going to let Lindsay walk. Lane Taylor is a guy who may or may not, you know, his future is uncertain with this team. And then Bakhtiari, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he might not be ready to go. That's in the last two years, four starters on this line who potentially will not be available, ready to go this year, who were key contributors over the past two years. But the Packers historically have the ability to kind of have that next man up mentality and kind of plan for the future on this line. For sure. And like I said, there's a few guys that are are currently on the roster that I like that I think will be good for depth, be good for competition. There's a couple on here that are kind of, eh, I don't don't know if they're going to stick around. Ben Braden, for example. I mean, he's one of those guys that just kind of, he's bounced around. He hasn't really stuck anywhere. Ben Braden was an undrafted free agent guard out of Michigan. He started his career in 2017 with the Jets on their practice squad. And he was one of those guys that was up and down. Uh, I, I think he spent a year on the practice squad, then went up onto the active roster, got called back down to the practice squad, so on and so forth. Uh, released in 2019. Packers then picked him up for their practice squad, but released him two months later. Went back to the Jets, promoted their active rest, uh, their active roster, and then was released after the season. Patriots actually picked him up after that. He was on their practice squad for a few weeks. And then finally, he was once again signed by the Packers, um, starting their practice squad. And he he actually was elevated to the active roster and reverted back to the practice squad three times. And then in January 2021, he was promoted once again and, and finished out on the active roster. I mean, he's one of those guys where I think he's just bounced around so much. I don't really see him as any more than a, than a camp body. I mean, he turns 27 this month, which is pretty old. I, I mean, it's not old, but it's, it's pretty old to be in that position where you haven't really you know, settled in somewhere. Uh, I think he's cheap filler. I think he's going to make what eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. no dead, no dead cap money if he's released. So I could see him sticking around camp, but I just don't th- see Braden as someone that they're going to rely on in the future. And I, I don't see him being with the Packers beyond training camp. See, I don't. Hmm, that's interesting. I look at it differently. Maybe it's sure. like if I look at the if I look at the roster last year. He was the guy, you know, even with the strength of the roster, he was the number one kind of backup plan, right? Of, sure. of all the guys who were not on the roster, he was the one who, you know, he was on the active roster twice to start and end the season. And then, like you mentioned, he was elevated three more times. He was he was the, you know, first man up, next man up. And with this with this COVID kind of issue that's dealing with our cap, where we're, we're going to be dealing with a reduced cap this year, Guys like Ben have value, you know, he's cheap, 850K and, you know, has half a season with the team. And if there's going to be short-term injury, hopefully for like a Bakhtiari, you know, hopefully that's something he can bounce back from quickly. But we didn't even talk, you know, Rick Wagner gone, cut from this team. Lindsley's gone from this team. Having guys that have been here are probably going to be valuable. So I I could see him actually kind of being, it wouldn't surprise me if he's sure. one of those guys that is kind of a swingman on the interior for this team to start the season. But at the same sure. time, it also wouldn't be surprised me if he's cut, if, if, if there are other better options on this team. Yeah, I mean, I guess what the Packers do in the draft this year will be oh, a big, yeah. you know, big, big tell on that as well. All right, next guy up. Big position of mystery, I guess you could say, is Jake Hansen, center out of Oregon, drafted in the sixth round of the 2020 draft. He was waived in September and then re-signed to the practice squad and then placed on the injured reserve in October. Recently, the Packers did sign him to a reserves futures contract, 
And uh, what what can you tell me about that? About I'm not really familiar with the whole reserves futures contract thing. Oh, okay. So futures contracts are interesting. They are contracts that start in the future. So right now for 2020, he is on the reserve list because his contract doesn't start until the 2021 season, which again is March 17th. So typically what happens is after the season is done, the team will sign everyone on their practice squad or most of the guys in their practice squad to futures contracts. And those are always going to be like minimum salary guys, right? So Jake Hansen, for instance, he's because he was on IR all year. He didn't have a credit season. I believe he'll be at 660K for next season. And I think they signed a total of 20 players total to futures deals. Um, not, not Obviously not all on the offensive line, but yeah. So most of them were on the practice squad. There were a handful that were from outside the team that were kind of street free agents or practice squad guys from other players or from other teams that uh, are technically under contract for next season. And they're kind of, it's almost like another undrafted free agent kind of style, like in terms of chances of making the team. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good to know. Um, it, with Hanson, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see him as a center next season. I mean, he played, he's you know true center. He played it in college. Uh, one interesting thing about him is he allowed no sacks through his first three seasons in college at, uh, what did I say, at, at Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he only allowed two sacks during his senior season. Right. I, I think the Packers did see him as possibly the center of the future, but he struggled in the transition from the, the pistol or shotgun formation that he ran in college to the, you know, the quarterback under center formation that the Packers run. Right. It says a lot that he was the only draft pick uh, last year who didn't make the 53-man roster initially. Right. He was cut outright and then later made it back to the practice squad. So tells, you know, like you mentioned, it sounds like he has a little bit of work to do to kind of get back to that NFL level. You know, who knows if he's if he's going to be, you know, on the 53, it's a little early to tell, obviously. Or, you know, maybe he needs another season on the practice squad to be continued, I guess, with Jake. But, yeah, I, I would say he's a dark horse candidate right now to be our starting center or have a, you know, oh, yeah. ha- have a significant role on this team. Yeah, I think he'll be around somewhere. I mean, he just seemed to be too solid of a player in college just to be a, a one-and-done type guy. Right, so right. I think he's going to be competitive and, and consideration for center in the future, but... Like I said, it's definitely not going to be on that starting level next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even on the 53, like you said. Could be another practice squad guy for another year. So that's that's fine with me. Another guy that kind of intrigues me is Zach Johnson, a undrafted free agent out of North Dakota State, who also produced Billy Turner, by the way. He spent three years and was an All-American right tackle his junior year before moving inside to guard. And he earned All-American honors as the guard as well. I think that uh, he is a good fit. The the Bison ran a similar zone blocking schemes along their line as the Packers do. So he's kind of, it's not like he's starting over with a brand new college NFL system. Um, And then his willingness to move from tackle to guard in his senior year after being an All-American tackle, that's one of those things that it kind of shows he's willing to put his team first and be flexible when called upon, you know, called upon to do so. So I I like guys like that. It's kind of guy that I, I like to root for. And I, you know, I think he could be again one of those guys who's who's competitive. Could be on the fifty-three man roster as depth, but I definitely see him sticking around for a while. Right. Well, he definitely has the advantage, right? He spent the entire season on the practice squad. He was bumped up for one game. I don't think he saw any actual offensive snaps or anything. Maybe a few special teams alignments, if anything. I, d- I didn't go back and check his actual snap counts, but 
you know, this is going to be an interesting year. Yeah, I don't. It's going to be, I think, on this offensive line, guys that we're bringing back, and then whoever we draft. Um, there's not going to be a ton of room for kind of big names to come in, maybe to to help or fortify at the at the interior spots on this line, or even even on the outside of this line. So any experience that these guys have, being around on the system, understanding the calls, understanding what what it's like to be a pro. Um, over you know some sort of rookie, whether drafted or not, is definitely going to help out where it can. So I don't know too much about Zach Johnson, but the fact that you like him means I like him. <laughs> good man, good man. All right, moving on. We got a couple more here. Um, good old Yosh Nyman, big boy, six hmm. seven, three hundred and fourteen pound tackle, signed as an undrafted free agent in two thousand nineteen. Um, he's another guy that spent a few months on the practice squad before being elevated to active roster. And then in December of 2019, he was put on the IR with an elbow injury. 2020, he did spend the season on the Packers 53-man roster, but most of it was on the the uh, the, the special teams. Mm-hmm. He is in what uh, an exclusive rights free agent. Do you think they hang on to him as depth? Oh yeah, it, exclusive rights guys are almost guaranteed to be back. They can't negotiate with any other team, and so the Packers can just say, hey, you're coming back at the minimum salary. Sound good? Okay, great. And so gotcha. they have got they got four of those guys. One of them is Alan Lazard. I know we're not talking about wide receivers, but crazy that Lazard's going to be coming back at like $850,000. Right? <laughs> Yosh is in the same camp. The thing that I know, like the most memorable thing I have about Yosh Nyman is Ross Uglum. After the draft and the Packers signed him as an undrafted, he was over the moon. I think the Packers, maybe if they had seven draft picks, he kept saying, this is basically the Packers eighth draft pick. Or if they had nine, he's like, this is the, this is how good he is. He's basically another draft pick. He's so good. I, I can't believe he got, you know, all the way through and undrafted. He was really high on him. Um, athletic uh, style tackle. Haven't, you know, really seen what he can do on the field, but he'll definitely be back. And again, he's got those two years under his belt. They don't have a lot of options at true tackle, and that's kind of right, right. the issue. So definitely has a leg up. I can't see a reason why, unless the book is closed on them, you know, in the personnel department, that this guy can't figure it out or they don't have a, sure. a, a future for him. He'll definitely be back and, and hopefully competing for something, and maybe he can uh, stick around for another year or two. Yeah, I'd like to see him compete for the right tackle job. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know how much the Packers value their, their special teams guys. So mm-hmm. I think because, you know, the fact that he did contribute – on a special teams basis last year, like you said, no other team can negotiate it and they can get him back cheap. One of those guys, why not bring him through camp, see what he does. Last two guys here, John Runyon Jr. and Simon Stepaniak, two dudes that I think could both be competing for you know, for a starting job this next season. I think Runyon a little bit more than, than uh, Stepaniak. Um, I know Bryce is big on Simon. Oh, yeah. He mentioned that to us earlier in, in, in a text today, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen what John Runyon can do. I think he had and he had very limited action, 160 snaps at guard last season, but I think he made made the best out of it. I was actually kind of shocked when uh, when they they shuffled the line again and he was not in the starting lineup. But uh, you know, I, I think he was a good replacement for when Taylor went out. From mm-hmm. you know, when when Patrick was moved around, he definitely sticks around, and I think he's going to be one of the starting five for sure next year. All right. Well, Runyon got my UP award for a oh, yeah. player on the rise, a rising player. He was that pick, I remember, in what was it, the the sixth round when they went three interior offensive linemen in a row that, like, yep. I remember Twitter was, like, screaming, like, this guy is still on the board. You have to pick him up. <laughs> and for the snaps that he was in, 
he was impress- impressive enough. And I think he's definitely going to be need to be called upon to potentially be a starter, regardless of what their injury situation is to start the year. Stepeniak's interesting. He's one of those guys that was drafted knowing he had a pretty serious injury. Right, right. Knowing he probably wasn't going to be able to contribute right away, but they liked him enough to kind of give him a shot. You know, was on NFI all year, non-football injury, didn't contribute. He's a dark horse, man. Yeah. The small amount of film or, you know, highlights I've seen from him, he seems like a mauler. A guy like kind of a enforcer, someone who's a plays a little bit past the whistle, if you know what I mean, and can you know maybe you know he can be in a in a position to compete on the interior at maybe a guard spot this year. Oh yeah, that's one of the things I was I was kind of doing reading some draft profiles on him, and I remember that one thing that a lot of the scouts said is he's just he's just one of those nasty guys, and that's the kind of you know I, I like those guys in the line, someone that's gonna you need one of know, those stand up exactly you know that 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 enforcer that guy's that's gonna stand up for his teammates, stand up for his quarterback, and just plays nasty. So. He's another one of those guys that I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, those are those are pretty much the uh, the behind the scenes, if you will, guys, I wanted to chat about in the first half here. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to address some fan questions and maybe a little fill in the blank. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. We will be right back after this commercial. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go, back, go! And we are back. And we're going to go ahead and talk about the offensive line a little bit more here. Uh, you know, we'll get into the, the starting five shortly, but I think we're going to go ahead and just kick it off with our listener questions. What do you think? Sounds good, man. Pump for it. Let's All go. right. We, we got a couple here. First one is from at Tevins Barton. Do you think it's more likely that Patrick, Elton, or other plays center next year? Do you want to kick this one off? Oh, yeah. Um, see, this is tough. And the reason why it's tough is that the Packers' offensive line are such valuable chess pieces, right? They can they can play anywhere across the line, at least you know with Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner and you know Patrick as well. They've proven that they can kind of play all over the line. And so it's tough. Personally, I think Elton Jenkins is ready to be the long-term center for the Packers. He's a true center. He was kind of playing, quote-unquote, out of position at left guard, but he kind of stepped up when Lane Taylor went down last year, 2019, and just kind of stuck because he did so well, right? And then obviously when you have a all-pro playing center, you're not going to be you know knocking him out of his position, right? So... I think he has the opportunity to be that long-term center. However, I think he might end up being our long-term right tackle um, as okay. well. And sure. it's one of those sure. things, and it comes, you know, I don't want to get too far because I know we've got a question talking about configurations coming up, but I'm pessimistic that David Bakhtiari is going to be ready to go week one. So I think there's going to need to be some shuffling kind of from what their hopeful eventual starting five would be to what their week one into the season starting five will be. And in that shuffling, Jenkins might be kicked out to left tackle or he might be kicked out to right tackle. And it could be one of those things, and we've seen this happen time and time again in this league, where a short-term kind of stint becomes a permanent change. And so he could end up being 
a right tackle for eight years on this team. If, you know, he ends up having a kick out there and things go really well and things are meshing on the inside and then Bakhtiari comes back and full speed ahead, right? And then just never look back. If I had to bet on it, you know, I think Jenkins is kind of that center type. I think it's center It's kind of one of those positions that I think is underrated. I think you have to be probably the best player to play center. Maybe not the best sure. athlete. I think left tackle, sure. you need to have your best blocker and your best, you know, to protect the blind side. But you need to be the best player and understand what the front's going to be. You're in charge of communicating with your quarterback, with the rest of the line, understanding what everyone on the defensive line or linebackers or in the secondary, what the entire scheme's going to be throwing at you. And you're responsible for all of that and being able to, you know, move to your left, move to your right. There's a lot going on there. But then, you know, here's another curveball. Selfishly, I kind of hope he ends up at tackle because tackles make more money long term. Sure. <laughs> so oh, that you know, makes sense. Co- come to, you know, contract number two, and hopefully he's a guy that plays, you know, like here, like I say, you know, eight, 10 plus years in the future. He's going to be getting a lot more money playing tackle than he is going to be playing center or guard. So, you know, that's another consideration. But to answer long winded, I say center is the ideal starting place for him. But who knows where he actually starts this year? Like it. I like it. Yeah, that's a, that's a real tough one because I guess I, I see an argument from him. I can see an argument for Patrick. One thing I did find on the uh, the insider inbox from uh, from good old Wes, uh, he kind of addressed a similar question. I'll go ahead and I'm going to read that for you before I give you my answer. But uh, he said that Jenkins is such a luxury for the Packers, he could start at left tackle or center if Green Bay needed him to. If it were me, given the sec- uh, the scenario presented, I'd probably start the year with Jenkins at left tackle, Lucas Patrick at center, and Billy Turner at right tackle. But there's still a lot to figure out between now and week one. That's a perfectly realistic situation. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, you know, is is Jenkins is going to drive pretty much where where everyone else is going to play. If that makes sense, I could see him at left tackle, uh, move Turner over to the right side. Uh, I could see him at center, as that's where you know, obviously you mentioned he played in college. That's his natural position. The funny thing is, is the only spot I can't see him starting at in week one is guard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, to me, like you mentioned, the center is, it, it, it's, I guess it's quote unquote more important and less, let's just plug and play, you know, plug a guy in and, and, and play at guard. Um, he's the one that's going to be calling the shots on the offensive line. If he was in defense, he'd kind of be the guy wearing that, that green dot on his helmet. Right, right. So, you know, if he doesn't do his job at, at, um, at center, the guards can't do theirs. So for him, I mean, it, it just depends on, you know, I really like to be in the, you know, in the, in, in the line meetings for the Packers, see what position they value. I mean, do they value him? You know, so, cause I, I've heard the arguments that some people feel guards are more important. Some people do feel that centers are more important. I'm one of those that does feel that the centers are more important. Uh, but again, he's such a versatile piece that I could definitely see him starting out the the year at left tackle, mm-hmm. kicking um, Turner over to the right side, and then having have Patrick start at center. I think Patrick, you know, he's one of my personal favorite players. I think he is more than capable of playing, you know, the starting center. He was backup for a while. I don't see why he couldn't do it. He's a smart guy. He's a tough guy. I, I like how he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say that uh, that Patrick starts out the year at center. I'm gonna go opposite of you and I'm gonna go with with Patrick as my starting center. See, I can't I can't argue with you at all. Everything you said, like they're they're fine points, and it's again, it's because of the versatility and the luxury that some of these players are. For sure. Now that I, you know, I had a second to think about it. 
I'm going to, I'm just going to say this, whoever the Packers see as their ideal center for the entire season, right? Like Mm -hmm. if everyone's healthy and we got, these are the five guys we would want, whoever they envision as at center, that's who I want playing center week one, because that center to quarterback exchange is so important that the less you have to kind of change that to make sure that the quarterback's on the same page with the cadence, with calls, with schemes, with these, um, you know, silent counts, right. And things that we didn't really have to deal with in with, without fans in the stand, but the more you can kind of keep that consistent, the better. So if that's Patrick, go with Patrick. If that's Jenkins, go with Jenkins. If it's someone else, plug them in. But I, the, the less we have to change that center position, the better. And then, if things aren't working out and we have to, you know, change things up week two, week three, then go for it. Because again, we have that luxury, that opportunity to kind of mix and match. Yeah, definitely for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm an offensive line guy who, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's just got to be a, co- a cohesive unit. I mean, they, the more consistent it is, the better. So I was trying to rack my brain, saying, well, where can we put you know, Jenkins week one? That if you know, when we move him, when with when Bakhtiari comes back, that we're going to disrupt that line the least amount possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's tough. I mean, it's a good situation to be in that we have players that can fill in all these positions, but at the same time, it it, it makes it a little bit difficult because again, you got to really try to figure out where these guys can play and just stick them in that position for as long as possible. Cause once you start shuffling things around too much, getting cute, that's when you start running into, into issues. I agree fully. All right. Moving on here. Uh, the next question is from at Monsmoy one. We have a good starting O-line, but the configuration is disputable. Do you think they will draft the best value lineman and configure around that or know how to look, uh, i.e. draft a starting center, freeing Jenkins to play right tackle, Lucas right guard with Turner swing tackle, you know, stand in for, for Bakhtiari? Hmm. If I were to look at this team, I, the way I have it right now, assuming everyone's healthy, left to right, I've got Bakhtiari, I have Runyon, I have Elton Jenkins, uh, Lucas Patrick, and then Billy Turner on the right tackle. That's where I have it now. But I think that's going to get highly disrupted because, again, I don't think Bakhtiari is going to be ready to go. Um, He injured himself, what, I think on, was it New Year's Eve? Yeah, I think they were saying, what, November before he would would be back? Man, November would be tough because, well, they say 10 months is like an aggressive timeline. And that doesn't even put you in there. So it's like... sure. You know, I don't even want to start, you know, September would be like highly aggressive. October is still ahead of schedule. November, December seems more kind of typical timeline. So things can be different for a while. So I have offensive tackle even before the Bakhtiari injury as like top tier critical need for this team. Second, only the cornerback. I'm kind of surprised last year that they didn't draft a tackle. Um, I know we got the three interior offensive guys, and sure. you know, there was early talk. Okay, maybe running could be a, you know, be playing tackle, uh, but it sounds like his future is on the interior. So they didn't really bring in too many reinforcements. I think that this is the year where tackle is a, is a key priority for this team, and I think it's going to need to be. I think it's going to be a premium style pick. So day one, day two, those first three rounds to either be a starter or be a key depth piece to be a swing piece in case, you know, there are further injuries or someone goes down for a short or long period of time. You know, I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of true tackle depth on this team. 
Sure. Billy Turner is a tackle slash guard. Bakhtiari is your obviously locked in left tackle of the future who just signed his mega deal. Behind there, you know, you got guys who can play tackle, right. uh, but don't really have a lot of experience, don't have a lot of proven time. You know, Josh Nyman's that guy who is a tackle, but again, haven't really seen him. And then, you know, we spent the first half of the episode talking about some of these journeyman guys or these um, undrafted guys or futures guys who really haven't proven much. So sure. I think it's, <laughs> I think they're going to have to, you know, they, they can't keep hoping that a Jared Valdir is going to swoop in and save this team, save the right. season. They need to draft their own Jared Valdir, who's going to be around for four years and not just show up for the playoffs or for, you know, down the stretch. Even past this year, there's no saying that Billy Turner is going to be around next year, the way things are looking with contracts and salary cap, or if his performance dips down again. He had an amazing year last year, but you never know. And you have to start drafting for that in advance. One guy that I think is interesting here is Lane Taylor. Yeah. Who won the starting job this year at right guard and then went down in week one. Second year in a row where goes out with a season-ending injury. There's a new rule in the CBA to allow for veterans who have spent the previous four years with their with the same team, and they had to be around for the entire time on that team, where they can come back. He can sign a deal for $2.24 million with the Packers and only sure. have account for 990000 under the cap. It's kind of a benefit to kind of keep players around who are going to be free agents where it'll kind of gives your existing team an edge to be able to sign or retain them. So Lane Taylor, who's, you know, unfortunately had a season canceled early, you know, past two seasons probably doesn't have a super high market and the Packers, you know, being able to offer $2.2 million cash, but only count 990, the veteran minimum for his number of years on the cap yep. could be a real chess piece for this team, assuming he's healthy. And if, sure. you know, if year three, you know, three in a row, knock on wood, but, you know, hope it, you know, another injury doesn't happen or befall him. But at that price point, it would be more manageable to, you know, have him sitting on the sidelines, you know, for a third season um, at that cheaper point. So, I, so then go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was going to say, so with that being said, you know, obviously assuming that uh, Bach isn't ready yet, who are your week one starting five? Oh, man. I'm just going to get it out. I'm just going to get it out there. I don't know, man. This is tough. <laughs> I think I think Billy Turner, I think Billy Turner goes to the left, okay. left tackle. You're, I hate to say it. I know I, I'm contradicting myself here. I don't want this to happen, but I think Elton Jenkins... Jenkins goes to right tackle. Okay. And then Lucas Patrick slides to center. And then, you know, as of right now, you're hoping that a Ben Braden or a Simon Stepaniak comes in. That's one, or maybe a Lane Taylor, like I mentioned, or Mr. Second round draft pick or first round draft pick. You know, I'm, sure. I'm hoping, me personally, you know, I'm best player available when it comes to the draft, but like they need to find an impact player regardless of where it is that can be ready now, not a project guy, you know, like Stepaniak, he was one of those guys where like, we know he's not going to be able to contribute, but we're going to, we like his upside and, you know, he can be a future asset. They need some depth on this line that can be ready to go year one. And that's going to be, (laughs) we're going to have to say that about a lot of positions, unfortunately this year, but I think that's the way that we're going to have to go. I think, I don't think our starting five 
is necessarily under contract all today, if that makes sense. Well, that makes perfect sense. And you're, I, I think you're starting five and my starting starting five is actually pretty, pretty similar. Um, I have Turner starting out at, uh, at the left tackle. I do actually have Lane Taylor in there at left guard. Ooh. I have, yeah, I, I, you know, it's one of those guys, like I said, I mean, he, he worked his ass off before the injury last season to earn that new contract. And like I said, you get him back relatively, you know, if he's healthy on a, getting him back on a relatively cheap contract, if you will, for a solid offensive lineman, I think that'd be a no brainer again, if he, if he's healthy. So Turner Taylor, I have Patrick at center, Runyon at uh, at the right guard, and then I have Jenkins at the right tackle. Okay, so yeah, we more or less have the same line, but you've got you've got Runyon and uh, Taylor flipped, or you know, oh, yep. or Taylor could be whoever you know else. Right, right. Pending pending offensive linemen for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> right. I just think that you know, I, and obviously you mentioned it. You know, they have to be aggressive in the draft and, and get someone that could be that, that day one starter. But that's hard, especially when you're talking mm-hmm. about a tackle. I mean, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle when they got Jenkins. You know, I admit I'm not really a big draft guy, so I haven't really started to look to see who is out there. But, I mean, is there going to be that sure starting tackle available at, to them at 29? Are they going to want to pick someone that high? I mean, if there's a cornerback available that they like, it, it, it's real tough. And you think that if they're looking second, third, fourth rounds, is there a guy going to be available there that's going to make a day one impact? I mean, that's that's a tough thing to predict. So, you know, going back to his question, um, do you think that they'll draft the best player or the best value lineman and configure around that? I mean, that's a that's a pretty tough question to to answer. Honestly, I don't think that you can really configure anything around a draft pick until you go out and see what he actually can do on the field. Right, right. And and you can't pigeonhole yourself in the draft. You can't say, I need a center, and then so when my team's on the board, I'm going to draft the best center. Like, some teams draft that way, but historically over time, that's been proven to be a really bad strategy. I think they need to target, like you mentioned, probably a tackle. If in somewhere and maybe in those first three rounds. I don't want to see any more guards. You know, hey, if, you know, Ellen Jenkins is a, you know, center nah, guard, true, you know, yeah, you, you never true. know. Like, I, they need to draft, they, they need to target an impact starting caliber offensive lineman. Because, again, this team is built where they can move pieces around if they need to. Turner and Jenkins are kind of the keys to those, you know, being able to be so flexible. That if even if it is a guard or a center, they have that flexibility to kind of plug and play around. But beyond that, they still need short-term and long-term depth at the tackle, true tackle position. That for me, if I'm prioritizing anything, it's going to be the tackle spot. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, anything else you want to add about the the offensive line before we move on to our last question? Oh, man, I'm just... I don't think it's going to be another repeat year of a number one and number one in a run block and and pass block rate. So I'm a big believer in the trenches and building a, you know, solid fortification for the quarterback. This has me a little nervous. Now I'm not saying things are going to be doom and gloom, but the fact that we've spent, you know, however many minutes so far talking and we don't have a lot of solid answers (laughs) just makes me just a little nervous. And I'm glad it's not our call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That this line, it it needs it needs a little bit of help. And like I mentioned earlier, they've in the last two years, they've lost Balaga. They're probably losing Lindsay. They're losing Taylor or they, you know, potentially coming back. Bakhtiari is going to be down. 
uh, just got rid of Ricky Wagner. That's five starters who are potentially not going to be available week one who have you know started at a high level on this team. That's crazy. That's that so crazy. much turnover. That is crazy. Well, speaking of the offensive line and they got, they got to have someone, someone to protect. And we got a question in our inbox uh, that ha- that pertains to Jordan love. Ooh. Now, obviously that's not something that uh, I was necessarily ready to talk about quite yet. I don't know about you, but we're going to go ahead and, and, and take the question. What do you think? All right. What do you got? All right. So this is from at DK all the way. What's the trade you take right now? If someone offered it for love, like hypothetically, if for some reason a team offered a first, would you take it or would you want to wait and see what you have with them? Oh, man. Oh, I, I'm seeing a lot of um, we need to trade or you know Packers need to trade Jordan Love because Rodgers is the MVP, so we just don't even need him, so trade him, right? It's, oh, man, I, th- that just kind of triggers me at some level, but um, not necessarily here i don't think he's available i truly do not think he's available and the only position i would say on the entire football team where a player where if like another team calls up and if the gm says they're not available i don't care what the compensation is i think the only position you can say that for is quarterback sure like i look back at jordan love obviously ruffled some uh, tail feathers last year when the packers traded up uh, in the first round, not to grab a wide receiver or a tackle, gave up a fourth round pick to draft a developmental quarterback, right? But you gotta let him develop, right? The Packers, you know, no pun intended, loved him. Yep. It's you, you saw it. You saw with with the draft day footage on you know the Zoom draft that we had. Like Gutekunst and the floor were just like ecstatic that they got their guy, and. You know, you heard earlier in the offseason when there was rumors of the Packers taking a quarterback. Like, hey, would you think you would take a quarterback early? Goodwin says, yeah, you know, if the right guy's there, sure. And then I think they asked at one point, there was a press conference where, you know, after this started becoming a thing, you know, leading up to the draft, and uh, they asked they asked the floor, okay, what does your guy look like? And it sounded an awful lot like Jordan Love's scouting report. Sure. And so... Doesn't sound like this is something that just kind of happened that they drafted him. It sounded like it was a plan. Yep. Personally, I still think he's the starter in one to two years. I know Rodgers is coming off his MVP season. I think the Packers didn't think he had it in him. I think this year they're internally saying, like, holy shit, that happened. Let's see if he can do it again, and then we'll figure it out. But I still think he's the guy. And you don't trade away your future hopeful starting quarterback. Sure. If, you know, for a first round pick. Right. It, like I said, I think it's the only untouchable position on this team. Now, if after they had him on the roster for a year and things weren't looking out, you know, looking the same as what they had hoped and what the tape said and what their draft, you know, or, or scouts put together, then maybe. But I think we'll know more in two weeks when the uh, salary cap deadline is here. Aaron Rodgers' contract has the, uh, it's the biggest money tree, if you will. I believe Bill Huber's written some pieces and he's been calling it the money tree. And I I really like that, you know, the tree that they could shake, you know, to find some cap money. His is uh, by far the biggest that they can, you know, find some extra space. Sure. And if they give it, you know, a violent shake and do the max, Uh 
that tells you maybe what they're committing to Rogers long term. But if they only give it like a little shake and only a few leaves come down, they're leaving the door wide open. So I don't know. A first round pick to trade them away. I don't think they do it. I don't think they answer the call. Now, if they get crazy and they say, okay, let's do, you know, two firsts or first and a second, you know, whatever. And again, they're thinking maybe he isn't the guy, then sure. But yep. we can do a whole top, you know, whole episode <laughs> on the quarterback position. I know we're talking offensive line primarily. Um, you know, maybe we'll talk quarterback next week, but we could do a whole episode, an hour long, talking about, you know, what's going to happen at the quarterback spot. But for me, to answer DK all the way, I think he's unavailable for trade, regardless of what the off, what a realistic offer looks like. Definitely. I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I mean, as well as things that the offer would have to be something, it'd have to knock my socks off. It'd have to be absolutely ridiculous and unrealistic for me to answer that call. Um, obviously, the Packers brass saw something in the guy to trade away draft assets and move up to pick him, all while having Aaron Rodgers under center. I think if you trade him now, to me, it, 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 Goody would be saying you know, one of two things. One, I was wrong about Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I hedged a bet that he was washed up and was wrong. So now I'm going to have to commit to him for the foreseeable future. Or two, I was wrong about Jordan Love when we wasted a first, you know, first round draft capital on a guy who won't take a snap in the green and gold. Now for Goody, which would be the easier pill to swallow, you know, for for him and his legacy. I mean, it's just it, it, just, it would just be an incredibly tough position for him to be in and for him to put himself in. So I, I think the the safest, the easiest, the most logical way, like you said, give uh, give Love a year. See what he can do, you know, see how he is as that backup quarterback, see if he's got anything. And if he doesn't after year two, well, you may have to eat, you know, you may have to eat it, but then maybe trading would make sense. But until then, until you know absolutely whether he can or cannot do it, Mm -hmm. he's going to be on this roster. I don't see anybody. And and who's going to make, you know, who's going to offer a first round pick on someone that's, that's on, you know, completely unproven unseen. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I I don't see it happening whatsoever. And again, unless if I was a GM, unless I got a ridiculous offer that absolutely knocked my socks off, he's, you know, he's the number two quarterback next year. Right. Right. He was, you know, make no mistake about it. He was drafted on purpose to replace Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't like, this wasn't a, Oh, I, you know, oh, I look at our board. We only got, you know, this one guy left. You know, we should make sure we get him. I'm under the belief that when you make a move like that to draft Jordan Love, they had to have the top brass talking about that decision. Mark Murphy was involved. Uh, Let's just say that. Say, we know what this looks like. We know what this means for the team. We understand the optics. And this is a franchise changing move. And if they thought that 12 months ago, probably still feel the same way about him today and again if like to reiterate if they still feel that way he's not going anywhere agreed agreed all right well we are approaching the end of this episode here we got a couple of fill in the blank questions to, to wrap things up with uh you want to go first you want me to go first? i'll have you go first I, i'm not a big fan of mine so maybe we'll just do yours all right that works i think we answered mine throughout the episode so let's go with yours okay. All right. Well, hopefully mine won't be too tough here. Uh, my question is, the biggest surprise on the Packers' O-line this next season will be blank. Ooh. Ooh, man. The biggest surprise. Man, <laughs> the first thought I have is kind of a silly one. It's like, if they treat offensive line the way they treated wide receiver last year, 
where everyone thought they needed to, to get a wide receiver and they uh-huh. and they blank. For me, that would be the biggest surprise, right? Like sure. they just don't address it whatsoever. I would be beyond shocked. But something that we could see, you know, I could see an undrafted free agent coming in and sticking on this team, whether it's at tackle or somewhere on the inside, or seeing someone like uh, Simon Stepeniak maybe cracking the starting five, um, especially if there's an, you know, Bakhtiari's out and that last spot is kind of up for grabs, that one. So I, I guess Simon, Simon grabbing a spot or having, you know, kind of some unknown player or journeyman or undrafted guy come in and, and make a name for himself in camp and stick around. What do you got? How would you answer this? Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of wrote down the question and I didn't even think about an answer for myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, How the turntables you know have. Uh, right, right. The biggest surprise this season, I'm just going to kind of lob it up there. I think the it's not really even a surprise, but uh, when we're talking earlier, I think I have Taylor in my in my starting five for next season. I think a, a big surprise would be that he is back and starts the entire entire season next next year. Ooh. I mean, obviously, we kind of talked about how his contract would make sense. It's still a big chunk of money for someone that's not, you know, with his injury history and and I don't want to say unproven, but it's just a big question mark. I think it would be a surprise for him not only to be to be re-signed, make the fifty three man roster, and then start you know, start the entire season. I like that. I'm going to steal that and add it to what I said, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Well, do you have any uh, any closing thoughts for us today? Oh, not really, man. We've, uh, I think we've gone over this with a fine-tooth comb. It's just... I think we've rambled on long enough. Yeah, man. And, hey, I, I think we held out pretty good, though, you know, with uh, just you and I going at it together. You know, it's like, it's like when the parents are out of town and the kids are get twenty bucks to get pizza money and they end up staying up too late and they get to do whatever they want and they told you know told the parents yeah we don't worry we went to bed early and stuff so <laughs> just having a good time yep yep good time indeed and uh, hopefully everything will be you know back to back to quote unquote normal next week and we'll get uh, Bryce back here in the studio and, and continue on with our off season fun but with that Sounds being good. yeah with that being said I am your co host for today Nebels and I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined.